Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome again to Coastal Community Church. Uh, Pastor Chris said I am Pastor Ryan. Uh, It is great to see everyone here in our building and everybody watching online. Uh, Thanks for tuning in for wherever you are from. Um, And just stay engaged with us today. It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, We are in week three of At the Movies, obviously talking about Jurassic World Dominion. Um, And this series is kind of where we just go through current popular movies, pull out some themes, and use them as springboards, uh, really just to dive into God's Word. And so again, that's what we're going to do today. You just saw the trailer for this movie. Um, And uh, this one, Jurassic World Dominion, if you don't know, is kind of the final installment in the Jurassic Park slash uh, Jurassic World series or franchise. And um, again, if you aren't familiar, this one's kind of special because uh, they kind of combined the two worlds, right? They combined the original cast from Jurassic Park, uh, which is uh, Dr. Ellie, uh, Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler, played by Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Uh, you got Dr. Ian Malcolm, who's played by Jeff Goldblum. And then they were kind of introduced to uh, Owen Grady and Claire Deering, who are played by Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. And so both worlds, again, kind of combine with the situation being in this movie that not only uh, have dinosaurs escaped captivity, uh, but they have started to procreate and uh, spread throughout the world. Um, And so now dinosaurs and humans together have to find a a way to live together, uh, to coexist. And as you can imagine, that doesn't work out very well, right? And so without giving away too much in the movie, um, along with some other subplots, um, the entire plot seems to be based around this fight for control. There's a character in the movie, um, Dr. Lewis Dodgson, who is the CEO of a company called Biosyn. Um, You can imagine him as like an Elon Musk type character, a genius whose mission in the movie is to control uh, the genetic modification of everything from dinosaurs uh, to insects, crops, food, all of it. He just wants complete control. Um, so there's that angle, right? There's the, there's the angle of our main characters who are fighting to not be controlled by this company, this guy, and everything they're doing in the world. Um, and then there's the, the, also the fight of the dinosaurs, right, who are, I guess, rather unknowingly uh, fighting to not be controlled by humans. And so I'm sitting there watching this movie, seeing all these different fights uh, to either control or not be controlled. And the only thing that I really got out of it was that they all seemed to be in vain, right? Nobody was making any ground. No matter what the genius CEO did, his, his fight to control all living things uh, was always met with resistance uh, and struggles. Uh, no matter what the main characters did, uh, they didn't seem to have the resources to fight both the battle with the dinosaurs and the humans from the company. And then no matter what the dinosaurs did, they were always uh, either being captured or killed, uh, I guess while doing a little killing of their own. Um, But again, you know, I I really couldn't help to relate this whole fight for control from basically every character, um, at least to my own, and and I don't want to speak for uh, for yours as well, but our constant battle uh, to control all aspects of our own lives, uh, and then the circumstances that take place around them. Right? Because even though I know we don't want to really admit it, uh, we all desire control uh, of some kind in one way or another. Right? And so that's the direction we're going to go this morning, uh, the lens with which we're going to examine God's Word. And so if you have a Bible or your phone, you can go ahead and pull it out. We're going to start in Luke 1. 
um, Luke chapter 1. Um, but before we get too far into it, you can just go ahead and open it up. Um, I know many of you this morning, right, you're going to hear the direction that we're going, talking about control, and uh, maybe you can kind of see where it's going into giving up control. And you're going to think this is the perfect message for my spouse, right? <laughs> Not for me, for my significant other, maybe for my parents, right? And, and how many would you say, uh, you can go ahead and raise your hand, how many would you say there's at least one area in your life where you feel like you just have to have control, right? You just need control in one area of your life. And I, and I say at least because uh, if there's um, not one, you're lying, right? And if there's only one, you're still lying, right? Because we all have to have it in some way or another. And, and also, if you're the person who, you know, when I ask everyone to raise their hand, if they have an issue with control, you wanted to raise the hand of the person next to you, right? This message is definitely for you this morning, right? And so, we all, like I said, we all, we all need control in one way or another. And, and some of us are so into control that, you know, we want to control every aspect of our life. We want to control the, you know, the aspect of your family's life, every aspect. Um, some people even love control so much that they want to control what other people think of them. Right? And social media is, you know, your best friend and your greatest weapon. Like taking 30 pictures just to get one. Now, I've seen it. It's, it's funny. I'm not too much of a social media person. Uh, but it's kind of funny to me, you know, especially around the holidays, I see families taking pictures here at the church a lot. You know, we almost always have a, um, a photo booth of like we have now of some kind, whether it's, you know, big series or holidays like Easter and Christmas. And so I just love kind of flipping through around, you know, what is it, it's Christmas Eve, day after Christmas, whatever it is, and seeing all these, you know, awesome family portraits at the church. And, you know, everyone's, they look so perfect and they're clothes and they're smiling and they're standing in the proper spots. Right? And, and the thing is, though, like, don't take this personal this morning, but I saw you taking the picture, right? And I saw you having to yell at your kids to get off the playground for the eighth time to come over and take the picture. And I saw you having to explain to your spouse the eternal value of this picture, right, when they ask if it's that important. Right? But then there's the picture, and it's just flawless. Right? But that's okay, right? I mean, that's okay because, again, we all have to control something. And honestly, if that's the least, you know, if that's the, the thing you're working towards not controlling, that's not too bad, right? You're doing okay. And so for me, I went to see this movie about a, a week and a half ago. Um, there was one quick scene that really uh, summed it up for me. Right? It summed up both the, uh, the truth of our attempt to control everything uh, around it as well as all the results that come from the battle of control, right? And when I saw this scene, all I could picture was uh, my wife you know, running after, uh, you know, running after the kids all day uh, at home, you know, trying to corral them and control them, or really, you know, thinking about any parent that's trying to run around and corral kids for an extended period of time. All right, so I want you to check this scene out real quick. We'll check it out in just a second. Just, just, we, can just, we can just click it. It's all good. Pastor Chris said, I do uh, oversee tech and production, so I will take 100%. We can come back to it, maybe? No? All right, we're going to come back to it. And this scene is basically where uh, there's the doctor, you may know him from earlier episodes, um, and he's sitting there talking to the evil genius guy, the, uh, I call him evil genius, the uh, CEO of the Biosyn company. And um, the guys talking about how we don't want to panic because they've, again, without giving too much away, they've released these animals into uh, our world and they're doing so much damage. And the scientists saying there, you know, we have to eradicate them. We have to get them out of here. We've made a mistake. 
and the CEO of the company is saying, you know, we don't, we know we don't want to do that. We don't want panic. We want control. And the guy just looks at him with this dead in the eyes look and says, there's no such thing. Right? There's no such thing as control. Right? And I feel like that might be a good example for uh, parents this morning. Have you ever felt like that, you know? Maybe, I mean, I know when I go home sometimes, my wife's been with the kids, or even uh, the woman who watches our kids sometimes, and how was your day? And, you know, just trying to crowd these kids. There's no such thing as control. Right? And so that's kind of what this idea that I want to, um, you know, present this morning, this, uh, this cyclical process of where we, the more we fight to be in control, right, the more we want to be in control, the more we try to assert control, the more out of control we get, and the more we fear not being in control, Right? And then it just goes back to, again, we fear not being in control. We try to be more in control. We get scared. And it's just it's this ongoing process that we fight um, all the time. And so I want to start, kick off uh, with this one point. You can go ahead and write it down for me. It says, we don't always have the power to control, but we do always have the power to surrender. Uh, we don't always have the power to control, but we do have the power to surrender. Now, does that make sense? Like, we don't always have the power to make that person like us. We don't always have the power to make our spouse see things our way. We don't always have the power to make our kids behave like we want. We don't always have the power to get that promotion we want or make that coworker pull their own weight. We don't always have the power to you know, make our finances or our housing situation where we want them. We don't have the power to make our health perfect all the time or, or heal our loved ones, stop them from making bad decisions. We don't have the power to control the actions of people around us when they hurt us. But we do have the power to surrender it all to God, right? To lay it at his feet and say, I can't handle this, right? As bad as I want to, I can't uh, control these things. And so it's uh, with this idea, I want to look at one specific passage in the Bible today. It's a story that I know you've heard of, um, but you probably never associated it with this idea of control or surrender, right? And so it's our introduction to and the story of the Virgin Mary. Again, you've probably heard the story probably around Christmas, uh, we're going to start in Luke 1, and uh, if you have, your, again, your Bible, your phone, I'm going to read about 12 verses, so uh, just follow along with me, starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and try to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I feel like it's a pretty valid response, right? Someone shows up to you and says, oh, gr- greeting, oh, favored one. It's a little weird. But it keeps going. It says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary's response, Mary said... Uh, that doesn't work for me, right? That doesn't fit into my five-year plan. It's not what I you know, envisioned for my life. 
No, she said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so what I think gets lost a lot when we read this story. Uh, you know, again, we read it mainly at Christmas. But I think we lose sight of it. You know, when we think about Mary, the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, right, this uh, famous woman, historical figure who has uh, cathedrals and churches devoted to her. And we think she's Mary, right? She was singled out by God, right? And singled out by God to give birth to Jesus. There had to be some reason for that, right? She had to have something going on in her life uh, that would make giving birth, you know, to, uh, to Jesus as a virgin not so difficult. And she did have something going on. Right? It was her freshman year of high school. Right? She was like 15. She wasn't thinking about, you know, giving birth to the Savior of the world. She was probably more worried about the cute guys in her town. Right? I'm sure she was dreaming about, you know, getting married and the guy she would marry. I'm just, just, sure, just like every girl that age, she wanted, you know, the magical proposal and the fairy tale storybook family and ending. And then the angel showed up. Right? And I'm sure this morning you may not be, you know, sitting there dreaming of a proposal or a marriage, um, but I'm sure you do have plans, right? Plans, uh, dreams, hope for the future. And I'm sure some of you have dealt with the reality of having those hopes and dreams destroyed. Right? You were interested in that person and they didn't feel the same way about you. Right? Or you really wanted that job and they, they passed you over for somebody else. Uh, you know, you weren't planning on kids yet, but here they are. Or you really, really want kids, uh, but it just won't happen for you. You, know, you really wanted that loved one to get healthy, to beat that sickness or disease, but it didn't work out that way. You wanted the perfect family and the perfect house, the perfect job. Right, but right now you're struggling to make rent in that one-bedroom apartment that you share with your two kids as a single parent. And whatever it is, you know, you're just like Mary. And just like Mary, you don't know exactly how it's all going to, to end for you. How it's all going to play out. Right, Mary didn't know the end of her story either. Right, the angel told her that she would give birth to a son you know, who was called the Son of God and will be holy and he will have the power of the Most High. Sounds like an exciting plan for your kid, right? But she didn't know that she was going to have to watch him be betrayed and beaten, and tortured, nailed to a cross and, and die right there in front of her. She definitely didn't know that God was going to raise him from the dead three days later and that her son would eternally sit at his right hand in heaven. But she had a choice to make in that moment. She had a, a, the choice between her plans for her life and the ones that God had set aside for her. She had to choose between her own hopes and dreams and the purpose that God had for her life. Right, her own control or her calling. And what's so cool is, you know, about Mary, in, in, that, in that moment, right, she had the decision to make. She didn't have any time to mull it over, right? She couldn't say, you know, let me get back to you. You know, she couldn't send the angel away, said, come see me on Thursday. Right, she made the decision without fully understanding the plan. She made the decision to trust in God and his purpose. She had to make the choice to attempt to control her own life or surrender it all over to God. So what the Bible says, she said, let it be. She said, let it be. For some of you, that needs to be your mantra for the next couple months, right? You can even take the Beatles song and, and make it your theme song, whatever it takes. Right? She said, let it be to me according to your word, God. 
right? Not according to my five, 10, 20 year plan, but let it be according to your destiny. And you have to look at it like, what is she really surrendering here, right? What is she releasing? She's releasing her control. She's giving up her own plans. But in this moment, she's also really giving up her need to know. Right, and that's one thing I think all of us, you know, need to strive to do better today. You know, we know the Bible tells us to surrender our lives to Christ. We know that we're supposed to give up control of our lives to God. How do we do that? Practically, we have to give up our need to understand. We have to give up our need to understand. Because this is another interesting note that we need to make. So we can say we surrender our lives to God. Right, we can say we give him control. We can say, you know, your will in my life. But when we spend every waking minute trying to understand and predict and decipher, you know, what, are, what he's done, what he's going to do, why he's done it, are we really trusting him? Right, there's no room for, for partial surrender. Partially surrendering is not an option here. Right? It wasn't an option for Mary. She couldn't pick and choose parts of God's plan to implement into her life. Right, it was either, the answer was no, or she could have the baby that would be the savior of the world. Right, there was no picking and choosing. And it's the same for us, right? There's no partial surrender. There's no partly buying in. There's no like, I'll give you 50, 60%. Right, there's no like, you know, there's certain things I want to control that doesn't work. It's not I trust him for peace and comfort in my life when, when I'm in pain, but not with the gratitude or recognition when things are going right. It's not, I'll trust you with my marriage when I get there, but the dating part, I want to do that on my own. I want to do that how I want it. How about, you know, I trust God to bless my life when I want something, but I don't trust him with my hard-earned money, the money I worked for. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't work like that. Not for Mary, and it doesn't work like that for us. And the question kind of goes to then, where does this come from? Where does this, like, selfish desire to control, the, the need to understand, right? This inability to surrender, where does it come from? Honestly, for most of us, um, if not all of us, myself incru- included, uh, it's, it's rooted in a lack of faith. And now when I say that, you know, I need you to understand, I'm not saying if you doubt, you lack faith. I'm not saying if you have or have questions uh, that you are not trusting God, I'm saying this, our human ability, our human inability to surrender to God comes from a lack of faith, but this lack of faith is an extension of us overestimating our own abilities and underestimating God's power. Does that make sense? We can't surrender, but we had this lack of faith. But what's more important is this lack of faith is us overestimating what we can do and underestimating what God can do. Right? It's not that we don't trust in God it's that, or that we don't believe in him. We just think that sometimes we know a little more. Right? In our current situation, we could do a little better. Right? There's a quote in uh, one of the trailers for the movie, and in the trailer you may have seen it. It's Dr. Alan Grant, and he's kind of voicing it over. Um, and he says, creation is an act of sheer will. Life will find a way. And yeah, but it's God's will. Right, and life will find a way if God wills it. But again, sometimes we just know better. We know more. We understand our current situation better. Right? Sometimes we just know what we need or, or more realistically, 
what we want. We know more than God. And it's not, all, it's not always our faults, right? Our, our culture really forces this idea on us. Right? Our world tells us yeah, it's, it's on us. If you want something to happen, go make it happen. If it doesn't work, it's because you didn't try hard enough. Right? If, if, if you fail at something, you just have to pick yourself up, right? man up and make it happen. But that's just you trying to keep control. Right? That's you thinking that you can do more than you actually can and not ri- realizing how much God can do. And not only how much he can do, but how much he wants to do it for you. Because we not only underestimate his power, oftentimes, uh, because of all the difficulties that we face in this world, right, we end up underestimating uh, God's goodness. And we can't make that mistake. Right? We have to consciously make the choice to surrender to God each and every day. It's not a one-time blanket decision. Right? And I also want to make it known, it will by no means be an easy decision. It's, again, one that we will constantly struggle with each and every day. But here's where it gets really interesting. Right? Here's where I feel like God sets himself apart from every other God of every religion. Right? He helps us out. Right? He knows our struggle. He came to earth, born as a baby, grew up in a sinful world. He knows the struggle, and because he loves us so much, he helps us out. Right? He doesn't leave us hanging. Right? If you look back at our passage, we go over the story of Mary, we can see that in each instance of her giving up something, right? in each instance of her surrendering, God comes along and just gives her a little nugget, right? a, little, a little piece of his faithfulness. He doesn't leave her hanging. If you look at it, like, like husbands, boyfriends, you know, your Joseph, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever, whoever it is, comes up to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant, it's from God. What's going to be your response? Yeah, nah, that doesn't work, right? So you can imagine how Mary was feeling when she had to go to Joseph again and tell him, hey, I'm pregnant. So God helped her out. He sent an angel to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, hey, man, this is legit. Right? She's telling the truth. She can uh, surrender control, and God was faithful. I'm sure it's the same situation with everyone around town, right? You know, they were all talking. They're all making up stories about what really happened. But again, God doesn't leave her hanging. He shows his faithfulness. If you look back in the passage, he went and performed another miracle through Elizabeth, who was one of her relatives. She was six months barren and now is, is pregnant. The Bible says, for nothing is impossible with God. He confirms it with her. He legitimizes the pregnancy. Mary surrenders and he proves faithful. Now fast forward nine months. All right, Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. They need a place to stay. There's no rooms. You know the story. But she trusts God and he provides a stall. It may not be much, but it's a roof. He provides a manger. He sends shepherds to worship the Son of God, a reminder that he is with them. I think about one other little thing, a fact that a lot of people forget about in this time is Herod, who was the king when uh, the time of Jesus' birth, had his entire army out looking for this baby to kill him. You think Mary knew about that when she surrendered to God's plan for her life? But he protected them, right? He sent wise men with gifts, another reminder of his faithfulness. Fast forward again, this time all the way to the end. 
Right? Jesus is around 30. He's lived a sinless life. Right? He knows who he is. He knows he's the son of God. And he knows what has to happen. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be tortured. He's literally going to be taken to the point where his body is breaking. The Bible says that he has blood coming out of where sweat should be. And this is all before going to the cross. Right? So he knows what's coming. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he say? Luke 22, uh, verse 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. This cup is actually referring to the cup of suffering, right? The suffering that he is about to endure. And if you actually take a, a deeper dive into scripture and see where this cup is actually referenced again, it's, it's in reference to a cup that can either be filled with blessing and salvation or horror and the wrath of God. Right, so you know, here he knows he's going to have to endure divine judgment right, on our account, the, the full wrath of God, the payment for all of our sins in one. He knows what's coming. And imagine how he must be feeling. Imagine what your response would be. But what does he say next? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He surrenders. He surrenders control. He submits to God's will in that moment. And just like Mary, God doesn't leave him hanging either. Verse 43 says, and there appeared in, uh, to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And so I just want you to write this last point down. I feel like we've seen enough examples of this through this uh, scripture. And it's that our surrender results in God's faithfulness. Our surrender results in God's faithfulness. If you remember you know, how I said it comes full circle, you may think that was just it, but it gets even crazier. Right? The original Greek word for when Mary said, let it be, it's the same Greek word Jesus uses when he said, not my will, yours be done. The same Greek word that she used when she was 15 to surrender to God is the same one that Jesus said in that garden. Your plan, not mine. Let your will be done in my life, even if it involves more pain and hurt and suffering than I can imagine. Right? They're both saying, I surrender it all to you. Jesus is saying, I give it all. And then he goes to the cross. And the story's not even over there because, again, the same 15-year-old girl who surrendered everything she had to God's will and his plan for her life, right now that same girl has to watch that exact son she gave up everything for be nailed to a cross and beaten to the point where he wasn't even recognizable where again, blood was coming out of his forehead and he was crying out in anguish. You think surrendering to God, you know, surrendering to God's will when she was 15 was hard. Moms, parents, imagine surrendering to God's will when his, uh, when his plan is to have your child beaten and tortured within an inch of his life. It'd be impossible. But Mary did it. She sat right there and she watched and she wept. And what did Jesus do? Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. Surrendering one more time. I feel like I sound like a broken record now, but this is the best one. God doesn't leave him hanging, right? What did he do three days later? He sure didn't leave him in the tomb. Right? He showed his faithfulness and raised him from the dead and him at, placed him at his right hand. Jesus' surrender resulted in God's faithfulness. 
Mary's surrender of understanding resulted in God's faithfulness. Our surrender of control results in God's faithfulness shown in ways that we could only imagine. So now's the part where I have to ask you, what are you holding on to control of that you need to surrender to God today? What aspect of your life are you not giving over to God? What area are you clinging to desperately? Matthew 10, 39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So what do you need to give up in your life today? And on another note, for some of you, it may be your whole life. You might not have given up anything to him yet. You know, but today you're, you're ready to surrender. You can do that today. And I just want to remind you again, you know, what, what the angel said to Mary. She said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Many other translations say, do not be afraid. Do not worry. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. You know, whether it's part of your life you're holding back or the entire thing. When you surrender to, to, God's, uh, to him, God's faithfulness and for, uh, favor will without a doubt be known in your lives. Maybe not in the exact way or exact time that we expect, but it will. And, and I hope, that's my hope for you today. I, but even as I, you know, I, I say this message and I think about it, you know, this whole message it applies to this message's impact. Right? None of us, no pastor here, no person can get up on this stage and, and convince you of anything. Nobody can sit up here and you know, convince you to give your life to Christ. And so even the impact of this message, you have to just surrender, uh, surrender control, surrender it to, to God. Right? Because if not, it would just be sitting up here, again, overestimating my own ability and underestimating his power, his life-changing power, because only God and only the Holy Spirit can enact that kind of life-changing power. So that's what I'd, I'd like to wrap up with. I'd like to just pray uh, for all of our surrenders here today. So will you do that with me? Father God, I just, um, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to dive into your word and um, to look at the story of Mary. God, I thank you for, uh, for choosing her to give birth to your son and just showing us an example of what true surrender looks like. What truly giving up control of our lives to you looks like. And I think you're providing such a perfect example because we can see that it's not going to be easy. Even when we give it all up, there's going to be, you know, incredible things to endure, but both also incredible blessings. I know for some people that sounds tough this morning to have to endure those low points to get to the high points, but God, I just pray that, you know, even in the surrendering, we can uh, lean on you for peace, uh, for comfort, and for strength. God, whatever area of our life it is this morning that we need to, you know, to hand over to you, to lay at your feet and say, I'm done trying to control this. I'm done trying to do it my way. Whatever that is, God, I hope we just give it to you this morning and say, I'm ready for you to take control. God, again, I know for some people this morning, um, they're here and are watching online and um, they haven't said that at all yet. You know, they may know of you or are starting to know you, but 
They haven't given up um, control of their life. They haven't made you the king of their life. So God, I just hope they, they know they can do that just by saying, you know, God, I, I accept that you sent Jesus to the cross to die on my behalf, that he was uh, beaten and tortured and died the most painful death to pay for my sins. And so, God, I just want to give my life over to you, every area of it. I want to uh, submit uh, to your will and your plans for my life. So, God, I just, I pray for those people this morning. I pray for everyone in this room. I get it, God, they just don't try and go through this life on their own. They rely on uh, the people around them, and they rely on you mostly, God, for everything that they can't handle. So we just thank you. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.